biscuits and chicken and gravy and biscuits and chicken and gravy and the chickens with the biscuits on the gravy with the biscuits and the chicken wants a biscuit for the biscuit is me. I don't know where I was going with that. Actually, um, <laughs> let me let me redo this one. Hold on. Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode sixty-two. Uh, Farmer and Faye reporting at you live from the the uh, Honey Island Swamp over here, hiding out from uh, one, the only Victor Crowley, uh, and Corona. We don't have our masks because we're using those to cover our genitals since we lost all of our clothes in a plane crash. So uh, here we are, you know, surviving and thriving. Faye, how's it going, brother? It's rolling with the homies, yo. I just fucking went back to work this week, which has been a bitch. Got to do the whole mask thing. But I got me a sweet Frankenstein mask, so I've been looking cool as shit in my mask. You know? Oh, dude. Making the mask out your mask game is on par, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, been a bitch. Like, how has it been? Like, what's the foot traffic like? Have people been coming in? Is there a drive-through window, or is it all walk up? We don't. We don't have drive-through. It's all walk up. Uh, right now, we're at uh, fifteen people max for a gathering, which is about as much as our store can hold anyway. So, <laughs> it's a fucking tiny ass store. But I mean, the the flow of the people. I mean, it's not like we had like a big like banner or anything that said no open and stuff like that. It's just now it's kind of word of mouth, and it's kind of gotten back to the the same traffic that we used to have. So nothing really new. Just now we're all wearing masks and triple cleaning everything that we already fucking did. Like you guys like usually wear gloves. Are you wearing gloves? Are you just like scratching your balls and touching chicken nuggets? I mean, like, what, what are you doing? We have to frequently <laughs> change our gloves. Uh, we have to put on hand sanitizer before we put on gloves uh, and all this whole fucking routine shit. So I'm glad we're not like a heavy traffic store because that shit would get annoying. But I mean, yeah, I've been that's... crushing it. My boss has been loving me. She's she's pouring in the hours, even though it's not even making up the money that I was getting from the government. But you know, <laughs> oh, oh, R.I.P. Those government checks. R.I.P. Right? They were fun while they lasted. Thanks for giving me a little cushion there, government. Oh <laughs> man, that shit. was like a. I, I you know I felt like I feel like I was in a swimming pool full of money. You know I feel like I, I imagine that's how you were. <laughs> oh yeah. Like that's the most money I've ever had. So now I'm like a tight ass. I don't even want to touch it. I don't want to spend it. I'm like, wait, I don't want to lose this. But then I go buy a bunch of shit. So you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, it serves a purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drop a dimes here, dropping dimes there, you know. Kind of like the membership of the outsiders of horror, dropping dimes here, dropping dimes there. <laughs> right. No, they they just dropping flies. So they just drop uh. flies. <laughs> Well, ain't that ain't that the truth? Speaking of dropping like flies, um, you know, I was I was on the book of the face, and uh, and I, I saw I saw somebody fucking bitching about oh I'm I feel so attacked right now because I'm not interested in a vinegar syndrome sale, like oh. <laughs> like in all actuality, my guy, like are you even that big? To even have to voice this on fucking social media. Who <laughs> I want to know the list of people that are out there bombarding you with all these messages coming down on you with the force of the social media hammer saying that, why don't you like the sale? Why don't you like the sale? I, I would I would like to know why those people, first of all, give a shit. Um, second, know who you are. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, uh, well, because he's the type that where no matter if it's a negative comment or positive comment, he'll see a post and he has to comment on it. And then when you say, like, I guess the post was like, who's excited for the vinegar syndrome sale? And, and like he said, nope, or not me or something like that. And then that started the whole, uh, well, how dare you? And then, you know, you have the diehard vinegar syndrome collectors that collect every single one. And they're like, you're not a real collector if you don't collect them all. And then, and then it just went back and forth from there. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I'm ready, motherfucker. And I dropped a dime on that. Oh, you, you and me both. And speaking of which, and I'm sure a lot of the people who do actually listen to the show, uh, because we are the voices that uh, get you moister. Um, <laughs> what what did you pick up last night? Oh, you know, once that stroke of midnight happened or 11 o'clock my time. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I picked up seven titles, ended up picking up seven. Uh, I got their um, one of their mystery titles, uh, Blood Games. I thought that looked cool. It's got a cool slip cover. That's the thing with Vinegar Syndrome. If, the, if I really like their slip covers, like the matte finish slip covers that they have. I really like that. But yeah, I got Blood Games, Night Train to Terror, which was like another new one, I think. And then I got Flesh Eating Mothers, uh, Dolly Dearest, because you know, creepy dolls are the shit. Uh, the Candy Snatchers. Uh, Zombie Island Massacre, and then uh, Orgy of the Dead from your boy Ed Wood. Very nice. It's a very very nice list, and um, I'm sure that uh, that costs quite a pretty penny. <laughs> yeah, like a buck twenty five minus the decimal point. <laughs> so, um, I actually picked up titles uh, three that I've never even f- uh, actually I've never seen any of these, and I haven't even heard of half of them. But I was just like on a whim. I was like. I'm just going to buy them. I'm just going to do it. Thanks, government. Thanks, stimuli. <laughs> That's what I like about Vinegar Syndrome is like, yeah, I, I have no clue what these movies are either. But I look at their artwork and then I'll, I'll read their description because they give a good description, not just to like the synopsis of the movie, but then they'll tell you what to expect. Like this is like a 70s drive-in gym with a bunch of nudity and gore. And and then they give you a bunch of like screen stills, like even like naked bitches and stuff. And it gives you a really good idea what you're getting into. So I go off, I play off of that, and I, and I pick, and I put in the cart, and I fucking just, I gamble with it. Like I have before in the past, because I already owned six Vinegar Syndrome titles. Now I get seven, so now I'm going to have Lucky 13 on my Vinegar Syndrome collection. So yeah, it's, it's a gamble, for sure. But, you know, you can stumble across those gyms. Like, that's how I stumbled across to Hell Comes to Frogtown with Roddy Piper. Speaking of which, the, the titles that I bought, I bought L.A. Wars... Because I figured, why the fuck not? And because it came right. with a slipcover. So I was like, I'm going to do it. That artwork was <laughs> cool, too. So I got that. I got Hell Comes to Frogtown. Um, I got Orgy of the Dead. And then I got uh, Punk Vacation. I have no fucking idea what this thing is about. But just the title alone, Punk Vacation. What, yeah. what crazy antics could they be up to next? Right, that's that's another thing that catches my attention. Just simply the title, like "Flesh Eating Mothers." I was like, okay, that's relatable. Let's let's see let's see what this movie's about. Who doesn't love a flesh eating mother? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo, ah, the good times, my man. The good times. <laughs> So that's what you picked up, huh? That was uh, that was my pickups over there, and then uh, um, I know a lot of people collect those Jason Edmiston eyes, the uh, the the, uh, the eyes without a face artwork prints, 
and it's uh i think it's like nine by five or something like that and um it's like all the eyes and like they go for 20 bucks when they first go on sale um but then people usually flip them for like right. fucking 100 bucks 150 and i'd be lying if i said that i didn't buy um duplicates so i could flip them so um yeah <laughs> um um i bought the necronomicon I bought uh, Captain Howdy from um, The Exorcist, and then I bought three of the NES Jasons, and um, that brought me to about 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is like it's pretty much like a panel of the eyes, the recognizable eyes, like the Necronomicon eyes are going to be recognized. Correct. So like, yep. Uh, gotcha. That's cool. And I mean, it's like it's like the Mondo Prince, you know, when you get them at TFW, it's it's like that same the same idea. Gotcha. Gotcha. The rare limited release, people flip the shit out of them. Yep, and um, you can find me in the flipping station if uh, if you're in need of some eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Davis eyes, the fanciest of eyes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of eyes, I got my eyes on September for Texas Frightmare Weekend, and you know, as the country still is a big pile of uh, horse shit. Um, we, we go upon this just hoping that this shit is going to be a O fucking K after, um, well, we've already been, the con would have happened this month. I'm sure we, there would have been a bunch of fights breaking out between some people who I can't mention. Um, (laughs) but I mean, other than that, it would have been great. We would have been drunk. We would have had all of our autos. We have been blown all of our fucking stimulus checks. I mean, we would have been fucking jooting and jiving. But uh, now we have to wait till September. But now it seems like September is going to happen. So, uh, I mean, that that must fill your fucking rotten colon up with some excitement, huh? It, it does. First of all, look at you go, you Segway machine. Speaking of eyes, you just keep rolling with them Segways, baby. But, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, because yeah, right now we should be telling stories of how our fucking weekend went. Still be telling stories because it tells it takes more than just one episode to tell the stories from Texas Frightmare Weekend. Reporting to you live. Yep. <laughs> but I'm trying to look at this as a blessing because now I can save more Skrilla. And then with the, with like I said earlier, these government checks, I've been able to push back a nice chunk of change. So now I can go to Frightmare with ease, not really have to worry about it, financial bullshit. Not I like mean, I'm going to go there and ball out of control. There, well, there, I'm there's, not, some, there's some bitches watching. Yeah? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to go there and ball out of control. I'm still going to be a tight ass, but I know I'm not going to run money. You know, I'm still going to go home and not be broke. That's what I'm trying to say. And still uh, buy what now, I want. Now you're making yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm still going to be a tight ass. So, ladies, no, I'm not buying you a drink unless you promise to put out. Unless, unless you're the two, you know who you are. <laughs> Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Your favorites. <laughs> favorites. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Play on the last name because I play with my last name a lot. <laughs> oh. Ah, I play with stuff. If a it lot. ain't Faye, it's gay. Um, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's your other fucking signature. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen much movement in the uh in the, the guests like conf- like confirmations for fucking TFW. I assume it's you know because the world's ending and we don't even know if there will be conventions well, I, anymore. I, I think it's because the country's right in the middle of opening up shit at their own pace, like each state at their own pace and shit like that. So it's pretty much kind of a wait and see what happens to these states that are opening really early, like Texas and all that stuff. Or at least yeah, in a no. lot of people's opinions that are opening early. So it's kind of wait and see what happens. See if we get another wave instantly or if, or if we're going to have another wave at all or if it's going to wait till the wintertime. We don't know. 
So it's kind of a wait and see type of thing. I mean, more than anything, I would say I'm just uh, I'm pretty glad that Texas is at least opening at like 50 percent. Well, um, some places are only opening at like 10 percent, 20 percent, like 25 percent. So, I mean, that's that's huge. So that just uh, that just makes the uh, the future looking looking bright for us. Yeah, here in Kansas, we just entered phase two today. Don't know what the percentage is, but that just means that now like more places can open like movie theaters and shit, even though our movie theaters aren't open yet. Except for the drive-in in Wichita, but but yeah, and then we can have up to fifteen people in gathering now instead of ten. What a big jump from phase one to phase two. Let me tell you. Oh, boomsh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like I said, I'm back to fucking work, slinging them ice cream cones. So. Yeah, to, to be honest, I am pretty fucking glad that I am uh, not working. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it. I've been saying that at work too. I'm like, I miss quarantine. <laughs> it was like the it was like the best time ever. It really was like, did a whole lot happen? Hell no, but it was a great fucking time. You know, it was like a much needed break. You know what I mean? Like, cause you, you had, you know, you needed time to get your shit together. Not really, but I mean, you just needed time to like de- decompress. You know what I'm saying? Right. But then the second I got back to work, it's like, I haven't even missed a day. I was like, and that sucked. It's not like, Oh, I jumped right back in. I was good. I'm like, no, this sucks. Cause it feels like that. I did not just have two months. Fuck. No, it feels like I was just off for the weekend. And now you know, I am back to work. But now I gotta well, wear these pretty masks. Well, every everybody is working for the weekend. I right? <laughs> mean, I gotta work on the weekend. <laughs> I'm working well, for sucks. Sundays. I'm off Sundays, people. So if you want to slide into my DMs, hit me up on Sunday, the day of the Lord. <laughs> I'll be able to respond. So yeah, send them uh, send them some well wishes over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, send me some well wishes while I'm having some weird ass fucking dreams like I've been having all fucking week. Oh yeah, well like what what, what sort of dreams have you been having? It's it's been weird. It's been a wide variety. Like there like there's like really long ones to where like one of them was like long story short. I'll randomly have dreams about going to like Texas Frightmare and shit like that. Obviously because it's probably on the brain a lot. So my dreams are going. But this one was weird. I went up to New York, met up with everybody that I meet up at Frightmare. Also meet up like even my local friends were all there. Everybody that I knew was fucking there. Even somebody I haven't talked to in fucking years was there. Up in New York City, where the convention is held in a parking garage. So, and and each layer of the parking garage is a different style of party. And then my buddy, since he was wearing a suit and tie, had to go defuse a bomb that was at the at the convention, which was fucking weird. But and he ran what are you up fucking MacGruber <laughs> fire station firehouse. He ran up, defused it, fucking ran back down real fast. I was like, congratulations, that's awesome. Uh, one of the weird ones that I had that was shortest, I was here in my local hometown. And I'm, and I'm strutting down the street, minding my business, beepity-bopping in the way, you know. And, and all of a sudden, all these cops just pull out in front of me. And they're all in the old-school uh, cop vehicles, like from the 70s, the box with the weird shit brown color and stuff like that. And they all pull out in front of me, and they all yell, freeze! So I put my hands up. I was like, oh, shit. And they're like, now put your shark up. I was like, my shark? You mean the shark on my shoulder? Apparently there was a shark attached to my shoulder, like a little baby shark, about the size of half of my arm, about the size of my forearm, you know, attached to my shoulder. And I'm like, I can't get it off. And they're like, there's only one man who can get that shark off your shoulder. And it was Detective Winslow from Family Matters. Yeah, and he's sitting in the back seat. And he's sitting in the back seat. And he's like, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm like, get the shark off. And as I'd pull the shark, it would clench down tighter, like a suction cup, not teeth, but like a suction cup, like grab my shoulder. I'm like, get it off of me. 
He's like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, Detective Winslow, don't talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he, he pulls out a gun and just shoots it. He's like, that's how you get the motherfucker off. And then they drove off. <laughs> and that was the end of that fucking dream. <sighs> oh, well then. All right. Well, that's that. <laughs> I have a weird attachment with dreams. Like, that's what, that's another reason why I have an obsession with Freddy Krueger because I, I I have a fascination with dreams. One that I'll never like. I'll even use dreams to hold a grudge with somebody. Like, I have a grudge. Thanks to my dreams, I have a grudge against Zach Efron. I will always hate Zach Efron. Okay, so I'm at this house party. We're partying up, and I'm like, all right, I got to go up to the attic to get more cocaine. Of all fucking things. So I go up into the attic. I open up that old granny trunk and it's full of cocaine. So I'm grabbing a couple of bags of cocaine, you know, because that's what I do. Right. And and out of the shadows, very creepy like, is Zach Efron holding my dog Gizmo. And he's petting Gizmo. He's like, hello, Mr. Faye. I was like, Zach Efron, what are you doing? And he and then he just looks at me and then and then grabs my dog like an accordion and then says, Fuck your face, and then rips my dog and rips my dog in half. Just rips Gizmo in half. So just I fucking killed your dog. <laughs> just fucking ripped him right in half like a piece of paper. So then I charge his ass like I'm about to spear him. And he pulls out a gun, shoots me in the face, and I wake up. And ever since then, I've been like, fuck Zac Efron. <laughs> fuck High School Musical. Fuck his bullshit. I'm done with that guy. <laughs> and he did nothing wrong with me. He's, he's a talented dude. But thanks to my dreams, forever fuck off Zac Efron. Do you, do, you, do you ever remember your dreams? Like, do you ever like just have like random dreams that stayed with you, or do they mo- usually just like fade away? Oh, uh, they, they fade away usually. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I have dreams where I'm killing somebody, and then like I'll wake up, and then I'll be like, "Fuck, why didn't that happen?" <laughs> See, I have a lot of those weird like near death like dreams to where I'm falling off the cliff, and I wake up right before I hit the ground, or when Zach Efron's shooting me in the face, I wake up right when he shoots. You know, I have. A- then I have a lot of dreams of uh, planes crashing. Not with me on the plane, but me looking up and watching a plane crash. That's a very re- reoccurring dream that kind of freaks me out. So know, maybe that's how I'll die some days. A plane crashing on my head. I don't know. We'll maybe. See. You end up like in the fucking TV show Lost. <laughs> <laughs> right. That'll be uh, that'll be the end. Well, actually, no, you're lucky it'll be irony. You'll get killed by like some like f- like a beer bottle getting shot out like 100 miles an hour, like right to your fucking head. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I dodged the plane, but fucking ricochet beer bottle comes shooting out. And I look like Seth Green from Idle Hands. With the exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. My man. That's, and that's, how, <laughs> that's how you go. I mean, I'll probably die like banging a midget having a heart attack. So, I mean, that'll probably that'll <laughs> be how I die. Well, that's a hell of a story, too, you know. It beats slipping in the tub. That's like my worst fear of dying is just slipping in the tub and in my head. But didn't you slip <laughs> in the tub once? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I ever actually did. I just always been afraid to. That's why I always have the, the slick resistant shit on the bottom of my, my tub. Like that is shaped like ducks and shit, you know? Quack, quack. <laughs> quack, quack, bitch. <sighs> so yeah, there's there's my dream capades. And yeah, the, the, this whole week has just been weird dreams. So I've been... I, I've been excited to go to sleep, but then I'm not because I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be a nightmare or some weird fucked up shit. I don't know. I mean, so, maybe you just won't even wake up. Who knows? Maybe I'm forever stuck with Zach Efron ripping my dog in half. I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking know. While well, I do a bunch of cocaine out of Granny's fucking trunk. <laughs> oh my fucking God. That's a hell of a purgatory to be in. Let me tell you. 
Who was the movie that they had? Uh, they had Efron play, but like portray. It wasn't like it wasn't Dahmer. Who, who was it? It was um. Wasn't it Dahmer? Was it Dahmer? I remember, it, but people complained because it really wasn't like a horror movie. It was just like a. It was more about his trial, whoever the killer was. Right. It, it really took away from like the the whole idea of it. Yeah, and it had a really long title, so I can't even remember. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was. Uh, yeah, it was Ted Bundy. Uh, okay, yeah, because he was the pretty boy of the of the crazy, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Yeah, that bullshit. I never watched it because I heard I heard a bunch of shit. So I was like, no, no, I'm good. That's 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 what that whole fucking Efron juice was. It was that fucking thing. <laughs> Fuck Zach Efron. Oh, I'm sure he's a cool dude, but fuck him. You know, I never really liked him as an actor. I never, I never actually thought like Efron was like a good actor. Do you think he's a good actor? Well, I thought he was going to be shit. I thought he was going to be one of those people that was just in the fucking Disney movies and was just going to disappear. But then he kind of grew on me. Like after I watched Neighbors, I thought he was really funny in that. He was good. Uh, in- Seth Rogen, right? Yep. Yeah, he was good in Baywatch. Surprisingly, that was that movie was better than it should have been. And I, think- I, I fucking refuse to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, dude's talented. I think he's funny. You know, as long as he doesn't sing and dance anymore, I'm good. And I and I'll watch his movies. I'll still tell him to fuck off, killing my dog. But you know, it is what it is. Wasn't uh, what was the movie he was in with like Matthew Perry? Wasn't it like some like high school basketball yeah, fucking movie? Yeah, seventeen again. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. Because Matthew Perry wanted to be young again, seventeen again, and all of a sudden he went from being old, out of shape, Matthew. Perry from Friends to fucking young buff Zach Efron in high school. That made a lot of sense, right? Well, and I don't know why I automatically knew that that title of that movie, but I did. Maybe I am secretly a Zach Efron fan. Maybe that's why I dreamed about him, but I dreamed about him killing my dog. So, again, fuck Zach Efron. I mean, you seem like you'd be a Zach Efron fan. I feel like you have his posters up in your room, fucking high He's school musical a- looking type shits over there, you know? <laughs> No, I, I I like the dude. He's not one like it. Like there's the whole uh, when you're comfortable with your sexuality, you can be like, you know, I'm comfortable with my sexuality, so I can say when when I think a man's attractive or not. I'm like, that's a good looking dude. Him, I don't like that pretty boy type, the fucking ripped pretty boy bullshit. I like me a funny man like uh, uh, Paul Rudd or Jake Johnson. You know, I'm a Paul Rudd guy. Who's another fellow Kansan, so. Long live the Kansans, you know. So he's 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 too clean for you, is what is what the yeah the, uh, I like the, a the little sexual side of you is telling me right now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like a more not really rugged, but just more uh, next door, uh, a little more doughy, <laughs> you know. Not the whole ripped pretty boy with the piercing eyes and shit like that. That shit's way overhyped. Just like with my women, I don't like those fucking Barbie doll types that take five hours to get ready because they think it looks good. I'd rather have chicken sweatpants and her hair fucking up and that weird pineapple fucking ponytail bullshit. I find that more attractive than somebody in a dress and high heels and a dark tan and uh, 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 uh. fuck all that shit. But I mean, is there anything truly wrong with the dark tan though? I mean, I don't know. Like I, I could I'm go, gonna... I could go pasty pale like a fucking ghost, I or I ghost. could go uh, a, a little, you know, like the bitch likes the sun. You know what I mean? I could go either or. As long as it's not too extreme to where they're starting to literally turn leather. Then I'm I'm good. To where you can tell they fake bake. Like if it's a natural tan, like you're out in the sun or whatever, you go to the pool or whatever, and you get a natural tan, that's fine. But if you're purposely tan and you end up getting so fucking dark with your ruby red lipstick and your bright blonde hair, I don't want a shit to do with you. 
Okay, how nice your tits are. <laughs> Wait, whose tits? <laughs> Leathery, tan tits? I don't know. You, you had me at breast milk, so I'm still looking around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet baby Jesus. Well, this is this is your cue to talk because I'm gonna go pee, and there's only two of us now. So either entertain the folks, or I'm gonna cut this out later. <laughs> All right, great. It's uh, it's gonna be a little bit of uh, who the fuck knows what it's gonna be about. Right. We'll build both. I'll hear it when I edit. <laughs> well, this is the part of the show where uh, Faye gets up and goes to take a piss, and this is the part of the show where uh, I pretend to give a shit. Um, so therefore, when he goes back to edit this, he's gonna realize that I think he's a uh, a big flamer who pisses in jugs and jerks off with a belt around his neck, looking at himself in the mirror. So, um, I hope you like that. <laughs> What's that? What's that? What's that? And this is the part of the show where we are back from our commercial break. Um, right. So after uh, Faye taking his 13-hour piss, um, we are now into next week, and uh, I'm already watching the third Joe Bob movie of the following week by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a good segue. This is where you people can help me out while my piss breaks. Starting May 29th, we're going to record our episodes live bi-weekly on Facebook and YouTube, both Outsiders of Horror. Uh, come in, ask your questions. We'll read your comments while we're recording. And if you can't make the live stream, guess what? The episode will still be available later that week on all your favorite places to listen to your podcasts. So, yes, please come join us starting May 29th. Which, uh, do, do you want to announce the titles for our first live show there, buddy? <clears throat> first live recording, I should say. The first, oh, you, you, you actually, you want to give the, the people a sneak peek now is what you're telling me. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, um, we, we all know, we all know that Farmer Hates Remakes, but for, uh, I'm going to pick our next Friday's, ep- uh, next Friday's films and the movies we're going to watch are both remakes. So you will find out if I love them, hate them, because Faye's probably just going to love them all anyway. But here we <laughs> go. Uh, the Evil Dead remake. And then Friday the 13th remake. Remake versus remake. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, people. So get your questions ready. Come in. Get ready to argue. Because I'm sure, because everybody has their strong opinions on remakes. Come in and chime in. We'll read your questions aloud on the chat, the comments, whatever, what have you. And then when I'm, I go pee, farmer will have somebody to talk to. So exactly. <laughs> then I, I won't be I won't be making fucking dog puppets by myself trying to fucking talk. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody home could see me, so they think that I'm a fucking psycho for doing that. But I had both my hands up making shadow puppets. So that's that's how real it's gotten on the show. <laughs> so yeah. So pretty much this is your way, listeners, to be the third member of the Outsiders of Horror Podcast. Joining us every other week live. We'll read your name, we'll read your comments, your questions, we'll bullshit with you. And you'll get to catch stuff live that I'll probably edit out later on the week because it's probably inappropriate to post on like Spotify and shit. So you'll hear stuff, you'll hear the uncut version of the recording, and then later on the cut version on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Spotify, all the fucking podcast fucking place distribute. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> all them motherfuckers. Fuck beer. God damn. That's right. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good plug, man. But I plugged it in. You did, so make sure you tune in next Friday for the Outside is a Far podcast live on YouTube and Facebook here on StreamYard. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, Outside is a Horror. YouTube, Outside is a Horror. Thank you very much. Badoosh.
All right. So <laughs> do you want to talk a little hatchet or do we want to do my overrated pick or what we want? You to know do? what? I think, Faye, I think, I think right now at our half hour, almost our half hour mark, I, I think the, I think we need a little overrated pick of the week before we travel in time to the honey swamps and, uh, just talk about all these movies, probably in one big group of a clusterfuck. So, uh, well, take them away, Faye. <laughs> all right. So my overrated pick of the week is an actress by the name of Danielle Harris that we're going to probably discuss heavily upcoming. Now, if she walked up to me and said, hey, baby, let's go to a hotel or something like that, I'd be like, hell yes, let's do that. But her being classified as like when people I always hear the questions asked to people who is one of the best screen queens like ever. Daniel Harris gets brought up a lot. And I think that is no go. She talented, yes, but not talented enough to be classified one of the greatest of all times. She annoys me. Her scream is like one of the worst <laughs> raspy screams I've ever heard in my life. And what the fuck is up with that eyebrow? <laughs> I know that has nothing to do with it, but still. But yeah, her her being classified as one of the greatest screen queens of all time just doesn't work for me. She's not up there with like your Jamie Lee Curtis's or your Nev Campbell's or your Janet Lee's or any of them, you know? I mean, do you think she's a, she's a goat when it comes to fucking screen queens? Or do you think they just say that because she's in a lot of random horror movies? I think Daniel Harris is an overhyped actress. I don't think she's that good of an actress. But I don't think that there's been anyone consistent or prominent kind of floating around through like our indie scale of horror like that's been so consecutive like she has i mean if you take away halloween four and five you don't have daniel harris nope not till roseanne right so i mean <laughs> but like like hypothetically like all we can really say she's a scream queen of would have been halloween so therefore her taking away Halloween, it's like she was never really an actress in Halloween. She was just a fucking annoying little kid. So, I mean, really, like, and then, like, she's done a shit ton of fucking indie. She's directed her own fucking happy birthday, just awful fucking movie that she had, the dinner party thing. I forget what it was called because it was horse shit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you that she is overrated. Oh, we finally agree on an overrated pick. I was on a streak there of you hating my overrated picks. But yeah, I mean, when people give that answer to the question of greatest screen queens of all time, too many times people say Daniel Harris, and I don't get it. That should not happen. I'm really glad cool. she's still relevant. I'm glad she's a child star that's still relevant today. Good, good job. Congratulations. That doesn't happen too often. But how is she relevant? Okay, like if you take away Halloween... Any of any of them, the Rob Zombies, the four and five when she was a kid. I mean, what what the what would you know her from? Well, she's relevant in the horror community because she does all these little indie horror flicks that only horror fans really know about. Honestly, I mean, if you go outside the horror community, most people haven't even heard of any of these fucking movies that we all obsess over and shit. I mean, I, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are not horror fans that won't even have a fucking clue what Hatchet is. And I think that's a pretty big fucking franchise, which we'll get more into later. But I mean, it's a very recognizable franchise in the horror community. And her, and her name pops up a lot in different fucking movies from the 80s, 90s, and today. I mean, I sound like I was spinning some radio hits there, but yeah, from the 80s, 90s, and today. Nice, just crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, she, she's over overhyped, overrated. She's, she's a decent actress at best. She's a cutie pie, don't get me wrong. <laughs> 
Nah, well, I mean, for sure, but I mean, I, I mean, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, stop, blah. stop throwing her name in the hat of Scream Queens, is my, is my point. She doesn't, her name doesn't even belong in the hat. And that's your overrated pick of the week. Overrated pick of the overrated week. Overrated pick of the week. Which leads into Hatchet. Hatchet. Leads into hat? the fucking swamps. <laughs> How you want to do this? You want to do? You want to do a quick like run through of like we'll talk about each movie. Do you want to talk about them as a whole? We'll do both. We're actually going to hold on because I'm going to go take a piss. So hold on. <laughs> All right, so that's his turn to go piss in the pick piss jug. Tell me who's your scream queen. And if you say Daniel Harris, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Any other name is right. Daniel Harris is wrong. Well, not any other name, but you know what I mean. A name that's relevant. Not really relevant. Just a name that's in the horror community. Or just in horror movies. Not even really in the community. Just, just a name that you can list out. Either 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. Let me know. All right. All right. We are back. Right. Well, I guess the only proper way to do this is, uh, well, back April 27, 2006, a film came out into the universe and it was written directed and it was actually originally a little fucking cartoon and then a, a short story by adam green who just so happens to be potentially my idol when i was getting into filmmaking um even though half the time i thought he was a fucking asshole but i still love him to death because he's great and he's great like if you're an indie fucking filmmaker you don't know what you're doing like he's like the number one fucking person to try to learn shit from because he's accessible and he's there and he's just overall a good fucking dude. So uh, with that, I give you the movie franchise or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me rewind to last week because I forgot to bring this up. But I remember you telling me that Adam Green is greater than John Carpenter. Did I say that? You did say that. Not when on the stream. You told that? you told me that in private, in our in our little chat. Oh, in in private. So now now you're bringing up the privacy of our own home into the public eye. Is that what you're telling <laughs> me? Yes. Okay. Because... Well, I, I would say on on my personal level of people who I who I prefer. Yeah, of course I'd pick Adam because Adam to me is like I like I think Clyde Barker's better than Carpenter. But yeah, I would take I but I, I say I take Adam over Carpenter because of my love for Adam Green's work. And Adam Green is a person from the time that I've spent with him. Okay. So, it's so I would say I have more of a connection to his stuff because I've worked with people all who have worked with him throughout his career. So I feel like I've kind of always been in that in that little circle, right? So like when it comes to Carpenter, okay, Carpenter's he's great for the films he's done, but I mean he's not like he's not I don't connect with him like that. But if we were talking about a serious note of director versus director, I would pick Clive Barker over, over Carpenter. Well, see, I didn't even bring up that motherfucker. So <laughs> I was talking Adam Gray versus John Carpenter. But all right. On I a personal you. level, yeah. It will not, now you understand. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a personal thing. Right. A non personal outside looking in. Carpenter does Trump Green, obviously. I mean, I, I can't I can't confirm nor deny. You know? <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. But anyways, yeah, with the first Hatchet film, I mean, I mean, they're all all four of these movies are pretty much the same plot. 
People end up in the swamp. They get chased down by Victor Crowley. Well, this is what this is how Faye says it, and this is how Farmer says it. The plot follows a group of tourists on a New Orleans haunted swamp tour who accidentally get stranded in the wilderness, only to be hunted by a vengeful, supernatural, deformed man who kills anyone that enters the swamp. The film spawned three sequels. Uh, and with that, that is uh, Victor Crowley, who uh, <laughs> take him away, Faye. <laughs> yeah, played by the one only uh, Kane Hodder, who had multiple roles in this movie. Uh, the chick that, that plays Mary Beth in the first one, Tamara Feldman, who... Do you know why she wasn't in the sequels? Because I've researched it and like I've read interviews from Adam Green and he never really gave an answer. His response was always, well, can you name me the actress that played in the first that played Mary Beth in the first one? And nobody ever knows. So he's like, exactly. And then they move on from that. Uh, Tomorrow was a diva. She rubbed people the wrong way. And she wanted a shit ton more money when she wasn't worth it. And she wasn't a team player. That makes sense, because do you know where Tamara Feldman is from? No. Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. I probably Makes sense. I'm seeing it all clearly now. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a Wichita, like myself. So, you know. Hey, and then obviously she didn't go on to do a bunch of shit. So. Sorry that she was a diva, but when we finally get out of Kansas, we think we're somebody, you know? <laughs> now I will say, do I think uh, Danielle did a better job? Do you, actually do you think Danielle did a better job than Tamara? The comparing performances, uh, well, hmm, no, not really. This is again where I bring up the whole Danielle Harris thing. She was, I don't know, she just kind of rode me the wrong way. And the two movies that she appeared in in this franchise, well, technically she appeared in three, but. I don't know. It's it's hard because I I, re- I did like tomorrow's performance in the first one. It's not like she she ever she never made me cringe or or made me stare at her fucking weird eyebrow or anything like that while she was performing. I mean, I I liked I liked Tamara in the in the film, but I, I would say that Danielle uh, was more memorable in the in the Hatchet friend, like in, in even in part two, like part two versus part one. Um, we'll get into part two, obviously, but uh, for my performance wise, I would say Danielle, Danielle just carried, she had more charisma on screen. Was Tamara maybe a better actress? Yes, but did the camera love Danielle's face more? Yeah, well, and then like Adam Greenman says, and to bring up the whole Danielle Harris having a relevant name, people recognize her name more than they recognize Tamara Feldman, so that's going to draw in another crowd because Danielle Harris does have that fan base. Which leads into uh, casting for for this movie and all the movies. The casting is very fucking impressive, I think. I mean, because you get all these names that are relevant in the horror community. Yeah, you get Joel David Moore, fucking Avatar. You get Dion Richmond, Mercedes McNabb from Buffy. Uh, Perry Shen, who really cares? Uh, Joel Murray, he's the fucking man. Uh, Richard Rahe, um, Tony Todd, Robert England, Kane Hodder. Zach what a fucking Elliot. squad, huh? Yeah, you get dude from Dodgeball and 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 Grandma's Boy. Adios, Turtle Nuggets. Yep, you know, Joel David Moore. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, my dick doesn't <laughs> work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and you get the dude from the Cosby Show, the the black dude. Yeah, he was Dion hilarious. Richard. He yeah. was hilarious. He was he was my favorite in the first one. I gotta say, he was cracking me up for sure. 
Do you remember the first time you ever saw like Hatchet? Like, how'd you even hear about it? Uh, through the community. Like, uh, I've, I don't want to say re-entered, but like, I've always been a horror fan, but I didn't really find like an internet community until like 2017. And that's, and before that, I kind of lost my, my love interest with horror. So me getting into the community brought it back up and then I would see what people were talking about and people would constantly bring up the movie Hatchet. So I had to check it out and I mean, I, I loved it. It was, it was, it was a gory good time. You know, and then of course I had to see the sequels and it just went from there and I, and I own all four movies on Blu-ray. So, I mean, and I mean, you having your purse connection, is that how, like, did, were you aware of Adam Green before Hatchet? Um, no. And I don't think anybody was. Because <laughs> didn't Frozen come out before Hatchet? Nope. Uh, Frozen was afterwards. Was it? Yeah. So H- Hatchet was like a, in the be- in the beginning of the of the uh, Adam Green film plethora, he did a shit ton of shorts. And then after he did that, then he, he filmed his first feature movie, which was called Coffee and Donuts. And he uh, filmed that for like 400 bucks and stole all the equipment from the cable company that he worked for. And filmed his movie for free. And then after that, that's what actually was Holliston. Holliston was the feature. And this movie will never get released because the UPN, the TV channel, owns it. Oh, and whoever bought UPN, UPN owns Coffee and Donuts. So if he ever tried to sell the movie, he would get sued. So that's why nobody's ever really seen it unless you follow his like live stream shit. Uh, like once every like five years, he'll show it online on like a private link. Um, I have yet to see it in it. I have never seen it, but I always wanted to. It's like the holy grail of Adam Green movies because it's so fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure so it was that, the CW that bought UPN. I'm pretty sure that you know what you're probably correct. So that's that's like that's what Adam Green did before Hatchet. So uh, once because he he came up with Hatchet when he was a kid. Right. So that was like his his little fucking monster in the closet, monster under the bed. Like that was like his his creation since he was a kid. So like he, bringing that to life was huge for him. Um, but I discovered him after I discovered him six years after Hatchet came out. So, cause I met, I met him in 2012 okay. and that's, I would say that's really when I kind of got into the genre was 2012. Mm, late bloomer. Yeah. I was never really, cause I spent half my life trying to be a wrestler. Right. Right. Okay. So I never, I, I didn't watch anything. It was either wrestle or die. Fuck you, Robbie. Um, but yeah, it was it was either like that's all it was for me at that time. So uh, when I when I met him, is like I, I saw Hatch first, and I was like, I fucking love this thing. I fucking love this movie. It was made for like I think just on if not a mil, just barely under a million. And uh, yeah, and then I saw that, and like I found out about him. He was a hometown boy, and then I met him, and I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no Hatchet. Hatchet definitely. It's a, it takes a huge place, like in my little fucking cold, dead black heart. I, I do love, I do love the franchise. I'm not going to say all the movies are great because how they're not, and we'll come into that. But uh, the first one for me was great. I loved the first one. It had a really good cast. Uh, er, like all the beats of it for me, like were like really on point. I love the fucking Marilyn Manson opening song. This is the new shit as they're traveling through the fucking streets. Like I thought, I thought that shit was awesome. Right. Which I mean, he got lucky as shit to score the cast that he did, even with just the first one. Not even like all of them. <clears throat> and th- that that kind of goes into something that actually bothers me. 
is uh i i fucking th- that that old mentality of the uh the old the old horror star all-star team movies like that shit doesn't work anymore and that's why you don't see it because adam green was kind of like the last of the era of people on the indie scene to try to throw all these people together in these fucking movies so there was that other movie that came out like a year or two ago that had like every fucking horror actor in it but that movie ended up being a big pile of dog shit yeah death house yeah. death house yeah and it's it's because that that shit died out in the early t- like in the late 2000s like in the 2010ish like that's like when that was like a fucking no go you don't do that anymore because it's nobody wants that so they were trying to revamp that from like the like the hatchet was the one that kind of like did it on the on the way out and then these people try to do a resurgence and they just flatlined. Well, that kind of leads into the question our buddy Jack asked. He said, what do you guys think about the stunt casting of well-known iconic actors in other films to piggy bank off of their horror iconic roles? And he's talking just cameo appearances, not actually like roles in it. So like you got like Robert England, he's in the first five minutes, but he's a name that you can slap on the cover like like many movies do and shit like that. Like, how, how, do you, how do you feel about these indie movies using these names to plaster on their covers? To well, sell I, I'm guilty as well because uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say I was guilty. So, I mean, even in my movie, Wake, uh, Waking Nightmare, that's coming out soon. Um, I have David Naughton, American Werewolf. I have Diane Franklin from Amityville 2. And I have uh, Jameson Newlander from Lost Boys and fucking Jan Birch from People Under the Stairs. And I'm going to slap probably two of those names on the cover well i mean were they all just cameo appearances um all but one gotcha gotcha but i'm still gonna slap it on the fucking box because it sells so i i I understand the uh the thought process behind it because it's in that time frame in 2006 when he was getting the movie out the it was it had good production value and it had a fucking had every a-list fucking horror name like right, like right there in the movie. Even if they were only in the shit for fucking six minutes, it doesn't matter. They were still in it, so you right. can still fucking bank the movie off them. So I mean, the, the, it's it's no reason why why that no wonder why that film kind of like took off the way it did. Well, my response to the question is I've learned my lesson. Like when I see a name that's in a horror movie, I'm not gonna automatically assume that they have a big role. I'm gonna still ease into it because I've I've fallen into that trap many times before. And yeah, and I get it why you would do that. But then hopefully the movie itself is good. If the movie itself is still good, then fine. I can, you reeled me in and I enjoyed this movie. But then the movie ends up being shit and it sucks. So I, when I see a name on a cover or something like that, I tr- I tread lightly. And I, I still want to learn more about it before I just jump in because I see Robert England's name on it or something like that. I mean, a d- distribution now has gotten smart. And uh, I'm not going to say what the number is on air because <laughs> it's a formula and I'm not going to spoil it to help anyone else. <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a number for the amount of time somebody has to be in the movie now for it to actually count. So um, it's you can't get away with it like you used to be able to. It's a lot different now. And that's why you don't see it as much anymore, because you, you like you just get these people and you're going to give them a fucking day rate. Like, these people are probably on set for one day. It's like you're here, you're fucking, you're doing you're like your one fucking scene, and then you're getting the fuck out. Like that's typically what it is, right? That's always my thought. Is like they they got these people for one day, they film whatever they have planned for them, and then they're done with them. Right. It was in the, typically it's always in the beginning of the film for likeness. You know that way you like you you see the familiar face, and now you're kind of like you're entranced by the film, and now you have to watch it because now you're already invested. 
Right. Like, yeah, at the beginning of Hatchet, you get Robert England in, in the boat in the swamp calling that dude a queer. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, what did you think about the first Hatchet for like for you? I loved it. I thought it, it was a good time from beginning to end. Like, uh, obviously, automatically, I started recognizing the faces even after Robert England. I recognized fucking, I never remember the names, but dude from Dodgeball and Grandma's Boy, and then the dude from The Cosby Show, and a bunch of other sitcoms grown up and random mass movies. And yeah, and then somehow I knew what Adam Green looked like before the movie happened. So I saw him as like buddy number one at, at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. What he's listed as credit. Yeah. He's in the fucking in the jail cell and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And the first one, he's walking with him when they're when dude's throwing a fit about he wants to do something besides look at boobs the whole fucking time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's wearing the Newbury comic shirt with the fucking the green the weed the, the fucking weed necklace. Leaf. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Fucking Adam Green. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you love the first one. Oh, I, I do. I, I love. I love the first one. I thought it was fucking great. It's the reason why I fell in love with Hatchet. Um, so that the first the first one for me is huge. And I mean, I, I think we're gonna do this one a little differently than we do normal episodes. I think as we wrap up discussing the film, we'll just rate it. So I mean, everyone knows what that intro film is. So I mean, uh, what do you rate the first Hatchet? Uh, I give it a, a solid seven. Give it a solid seven. Okay. Um, I give it a solid nine. I figured yours would have been up there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not quite a 10, but like on, on the fucking cusp. But uh, that first one for me is very near and dear to my heart. I have a lot. I have every fucking hatchet script on my wall. I have a fucking. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm all about fucking hatchet. So uh, hatchet one gets a nine. Would you, would you do a swamp tour? Before we I would do a swamp tour. I would not. Fuck I've seen that. enough of these movies. I know if I push you in front of me and then I just run somewhere else and go in the water, I'll be okay. <laughs> I just <laughs> I gotta watch out no the gators. <laughs> Them gators can kiss my ass. I, ain't, I mean, I'm, aren't you already I'm used no to gators. fucking gators? Don't you know how to handle? We that don't shit? have gators here. That's more south and and Nolans. You know, we're we're nah. <laughs> We just have a bunch of stray cats and meth heads. We don't have no gators and shit. <laughs> Open fields. Daisies. Well, Car- Colonel is known to bang a couple of fucking gators, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no gators. That, yeah. <laughs> ah, and then about uh, four years after, um, in uh, August 26, 2010, uh, we got Hatchet 2. Yep, so uh, this time, not not starred by Daniel Harris. I mean, not by Tamara Feldman. This time, it was starred by Daniel Harris because in the first one, it was Tamara Feldman. <laughs> what I love about these movies is they they jump from the end of the of the movie to right into the into the next one. Like I love how you the way he cuts these movies off just like that at the end of all of them. It's really like there'll be some kind of screaming or some kind of kill or something like that, and then it's credits. I like that. It is a good and way then, to end it off, isn't it? Yeah. And then when the next movie starts, it's right where that left off. I like that. It's but you get you're, it. like, you're just supposed to feel like you're in it, you know? Like, that's why it's like, okay, but then when you watch the next one, it's okay. Like, it's all, like, total, like, memory fucking resurgence. Like, it all comes back, like, right. to what like what happened before. But the funny transition with one and two, though, is that, yeah, you get 5'10", Tamara Feldman, and then and then you jump into 4'10", fucking Daniel Harris. So there's obviously a difference there. They, yeah. they don't look a whole lot alike, but, I mean... We understand. You have to change actors, and we automatically accepted that she was Mary Beth, which is cool. Yep. I mean, you just kind of had to. 
Um, the, the one thing you will see, which is a little different, as the name marquee went down a little bit, because in this one, it was obviously Kane Hodder, uh, Daniel Harris. It was uh, Tony Todd, Perry Shen, Tom Holland, uh, writer-director, who came in yeah, to play yeah. fucking her uncle or whatever it was. Uncle Bob. Um, yeah, Uncle Bob, that pedo. Um, Ari Milha yeah. from fucking Texas Chainsaw, AJ Bowen, um, and Colton fucking Dunn. Yeah, Colton Dunn, that's a uh, superstore dude. Yeah, because biscuits and chicken and gravy and the biscuits and chicken (laughs) (laughs) and biscuits and gravy. Uh, He was was my favorite in part two, and I wish there was more of him in part two. I think there wasn't enough with his character, and then he just all of a sudden died with a massive chainsaw up into the groin. He was such a good fucking character, wasn't he? I know. That's what I'm saying. I wish I would have had more of them. That would have made the movie even that much better. But uh, I, I mean, as as these hatchet movies go on, like you'll see the, like the the casting difference because in the first one you had the all star team. Now you're in part two. Now you don't have the all star team anymore. Now you have well, like random recognizable faces. Even if they weren't recognizable then, they're, they're recognizable. Well, correct. Yeah, they're recognizable, but now, but they're not as such high caliber as you had in the first one, though. Right. Yeah, he fell off a little bit in the second one. He you get our email off. Okay, great. Texas Chainsaw, but what the fuck good is he without a mask? And he always still finds the names because, like, Ari, Ari Mialinoff or whatever, he was Leatherface and the third Texas Chainsaw Mask. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's still these horror names that he's pulling in enough to draw an audience, I guess, because the whole premise with these Hatchet movies is old school American horror. Yep, and not a Japanese uh, or a remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say one of my favorite scenes in this one is when, uh, uh, Joel Murray takes the fucking uh, <laughs> takes the camera and so it looks it starts looking at all the nudes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask: Is this the little fourteen-year-old Laura Ortiz? Yeah, yeah, it is. I thought that was her, but it, I'm it only fourteen, Mister. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I thought that was her. Okay, <laughs> and like, it's oh, funny because she ends up in Victor Crowley. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it just happened so quick, and I didn't look it up. I was like, oh, that's gotta be Laura Ortiz. All right. What uh, what what did you think about about this? Obviously, you know the range changed. Fucking, uh, it's Daniel Harris coming into play now. Now it's kind of like a whole different movie. How how did you feel about it? Also, we'll say before he answers. Uh, shout out to my boy Ed Marks who edited this movie, which is the reason I hired that motherfucker on my shit. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean the the changes weren't that big of a deal to me because I still expected the same that I saw from the first one, which is the over the top, uh, crazy gore and. The slapstick gore, you know, as they call it. And, uh, like, my favorite kill of the whole franchise came in this one. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, me being sex depraved. My favorite kill is when dude's uh, railing chick from behind and, and he gets killed. So his body goes into convulsions. He starts fucking even better. And she loves it once she's getting fucked by the headless dude. Uh, that, for some reason, that, that kill always sticks with me. I, I, I never forget that one. Mine was the propeller. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like out of the whole franchise. No, no, no. Just out, of, just from that that movie specifically. Do you have a favorite kill in the whole franchise? Um, my favorite kill in the whole franchise is probably the fucking Sander in the first one. Ah, oh, nice. Okay. Because that, that's a hard question. Because there's so many great kills in all four of these movies. I think there's I a lot think. of unique kills. A lot of different, over the top, squishy sounding kills. You know. Nice. Well, here here on the Outside of Horror podcast, we we're all about those squishy sounds. <laughs> <laughs> squishy sounds. But yeah, Hatchet 2. 
Hatchet two for me. I, uh, uh, straight up, it's it's my favorite in the franchise. Really? I, I, okay. Yes, I had a lot. I have a lot of fun with this movie. It just it's one of those that just kept my attention the whole entire time. I love the kills. I love the humor. Uh, and yeah, so uh, it gets a solid eight from me on this one. Hatchet two gets an eight. Okay. Um, for me, Hatchet two. Hatchet 2 might be the one Hatchet film that I fucking like the least. Um, The uh, production value, aside from the swamp shit, looks like ass. I I know, I know, because I know this, is that they shot this for a much, much, much smaller budget than they did the first one. They didn't even have half the fucking money. Um, But Hatchet fucking 2, everyone was working for fucking Peanuts. But the interior shots with Tom fucking Holland. What the fuck, Adam Green and Will Barrett? What the fuck? (laughs) The reason I say what the fuck is because you have Tom Holland in the fucking living room wearing a white fucking little fucking t-shirt, right? He's wearing like a long sleeve fucking white shirt. He's wearing a white long john shirt. Mm -hmm. Long john, yes. He's wearing a long john shirt. But if you look to the left of him, the fucking... The California sun and the fucking windows is blinding. It's fucking (laughs) all fucking white from the sun. And you have this motherfucker also in white. And also he's old and pasty. So now he's like a fucking ghost. Why didn't you have a fucking diffusion board? Split the fucking difference. Give him a little fucking face shadow. What the fuck was that? (laughs) <laughs> I had this problem with a lot of these interior shots in part two. Part two, it looks like it was shot in two different fucking cameras. Uh, the interior shots of the normal city versus the woods looks very fucking different. And half the and there's a lot of shots that are out of fucking focus that I caught too when I was watching part two again. So <laughs> I have I have a lot of fucking complaints with the way part two was shot, but I know that they shot it for less days and a hell of a lot less of money um, because I know what some people got paid on that. So um, for me, I give Hatchet Two a four. Wow! All right, see, listeners, this is what you can get with this two-headed dragon right here. You got. Fanboy weirdo side over here with me, and then you got the the filmmaker like production side value over here with Farmer. So we're obviously gonna not agree most of the fucking time on a lot of these movies. So stay tuned because you're gonna hear many more disagreements <laughs> in the future. Because yes, number two is my favorite, and obviously number two is not Farmer's favorite. It is not. <clears throat> <sighs> So then, that took us to a few years later, on June 14, 2013, when we got Hatchet fucking 3. And uh, this one was not directed by Adam Green. It was written by Adam, but it was uh, it was directed by B.J. McDonald. And oh, B.J. Lucas on us, gotcha. Uh, B.J. McDonald used to be, uh, he was the Steadicam operator for Adam. So he worked, on, he worked for Adam doing Steadicam. On a, on a bunch of his fucking movies and shit. And that's actually, he works for Slayer. He makes a lot of shit for Slayer. All their like music videos and shit that they have, it's all BJ McDowell. So, um, so he, Adam at this point was like, okay, I'm going to toss the reins over to somebody else. Someone else is going to carry the fucking torch because Adam was burnt the fuck out with Hatchet. So then he lets someone else fucking touch Hatchet 3. And then here we go. Okay. Now with Hatchet 3. Yep. It this one I think gives off the biggest like it gives off a different vibe than any of the other movies in the franchise. 
Probably because it was directed by somebody different. I didn't know that it was directed by somebody else than Adam Green. I thought all four of these were straight up Adam Green all the way through. Nope. So mm-hmm. and I, I think I guess I can tell because I mean I had a different vibe with this movie. Now, did I hate it? No, but I mean I had a completely different vibe, and it started weird with the whole her holding the scalp and the and the and the jail, where Zag Galligan from Gremlins. Which this one had a pretty badass cast because you got Zach Galligan from Gremlins, you got Derek Mears, you got good old Perry Shin, which I'm gonna bring up Perry Shin right now because you said fuck him. He is the star of the franchise series. He is, he is he, well, he is Ice Survivor, so yeah. <laughs> he is in all four. He plays so many different characters. He probably has more screen time than anybody in the whole franchise. Perry Shin is the Hatchet series. Like he is the the, the guy, the star. It's just, you know, he's not the name that nobody ever fucking knows. And in case you don't know, it's the Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. But yeah, I mean, again, same theme with all these movies. You have the great the great kills, the great gore. Like I said, it has a different vibe to this one, but it wasn't necessarily a vibe that I hated. I still enjoyed it. Now, the whole SWAT team thing, I'm kind of iffy on. Like, led by Derek Mears. Yeah. But that was kind of weird, you know. Like, they were, they got punked out like a bunch of bitches. And yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know. Oh, we also have Sean Whalen in this one. There's, there's another uh, Caroline Williams. Caroline Williams. Yeah, you got a lot of these Dick Miller names that, that you know like to show up in movies all the time, but are never really the stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. How do you? I mean, it's obviously, now that we know two is your least favorite, what, how do you feel about three? Um, I liked I liked part three. I thought part three was pretty good. Um, I liked how it was kind of like a, a like a different direction from a different director. So I mean, obviously, you shot composition and the way things are going to be presented are going to be different because it's actually a different mind. Um, but I, I do know that it wasn't entirely free reign, and that this guy was kind of uh, was kind of hounded by Adam a little bit throughout production. Um, so I think that was that was a battle, that was a challenge, uh, if anything. Um, I loved Sid Haig in the movie. I loved him playing that fucking... <laughs> that racist motherfucker. Yeah, that racist motherfucker. I thought he was fucking <laughs> great. Adam, you steal something? <laughs> God damn, he was so racist in that one little tiny scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was fucking crazy. I loved him. It was, like, that was a memorable Sid performance, for sure. Yeah, um, that was hilarious. Yeah, no, I mean, part, part three was cool. It was it was okay. Again, the fucking... She walks inside the fucking place, and the fucking light just beaming through the fucking windows. I want to punch whoever the gaffer is on these fucking last two movies. They just, I want to pummel them to the fucking ground and beat them. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I liked part three a lot more than I liked part two, for sure. I liked the, and this one for me, this one made me believe Daniel Harris was actually good playing the role. Also, it was awesome to see her nude in the shower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. it was funny because Joe Lynch and Adam Green were both on the jail cell. Yeah, yeah, Adam Green likes to punch himself into his movies, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Danny Harris, this was, they, yeah, this was her better performance of the two, I think, between Hatch two and three, because she she went off the deep end in the three. She was the crazy one that turned herself in, holding Victor Crowley's scalp, and it was just a fucking nutcase. And then here comes Caroline Williams, <laughs> which I loved Caroline Williams' whole build. Like she's gonna be the fucking mega hero of this whole movie, and then she when she makes it to the swap, she did. Yep. <laughs> she didn't do shit. It reminds me of uh, Scatman Carruthers in The Shining, 
to where we're doing this long, drawn-out build-up of Scatman going to the hotel. Just finally, when he gets to the hotel, gets the axe to the chest, and he's dead. <laughs> Did absolutely nothing to save the day whatsoever. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Caroline Williams' this movie. All Just one hype, big bust. One big hype into a big old bust. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. It was funny. And that's what I expect out of these movies, because that's his third one, so I, you kind of already know what to expect in these movies. Don't expect a hero and all that shit, or the, or the hero to be who you expect it to be, besides Daniel Harris. But I don't know. I mean, I like it. It's a good time. Again, the theme of the, the, the movies, the kills, is what keeps me entertained. I love the over-the-top, just straight-up good-time popcorn flicks like these are. So with this one, I'm uh, I'm gonna have to go with a, a six on part three. You're gonna go with a six, yes, sir. I give this one a seven. A seven. All good girls go to heaven. <laughs> oh my god! Only on the outside is a fucking gay horror over here. Um, yeah, that's Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I give it a seven. I uh, for me, it's it's right it's right behind number one for sure for me. I wrote down down in my uh, notes, Perry Shin finds a way. (laughs) (laughs) And then on on to the last in the franchise. But before we get into that, um, I remember it was the 10th anniversary of Hatchet. And it was down in downtown Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. And it was sold out and I got a ticket to it. Uh, Me and Jamie went. Um, And we were because I met Jamie actually in line in Hollywood when I first moved there for the premiere of Hatchet 3. Oh. So that's how her and I met. Okay. Um, And then after that, then like we just, we were stuck together. So then it was uh, like 10 years, like the the 10th anniversary of Hatchet 1 and now they're doing Hatchet 4. So uh, we we both got tickets to the Hatchet. It was supposed to be the Hatchet like uh, I forget like what was it called? Just like the anniversary screening of the first one. So like we're there, we're sitting down. Like D. Snyder's there, fucking the whole the whole gang gang is fucking there. Like it's a big big event. Dread Central, like all those guys. Um, so and you think it's just said, a screening, right? Yeah, it was just supposed to be the screening of the first one. So it was a screening of the first one, and then Adam Green he goes up to the front, <clears throat> he gives this little spiel, talks about how George Romero told him that he needed to make another hatchet. Um, and then we're there, and then all of a sudden he says, "Well, uh, just so everybody knows." Uh, you're not here to watch the first hatchet. Instead, we shot a brand new hatchet in secret. And this is Victor Crowley. And then the fucking movie starts. Dude, I would have shit my pants. So <laughs> I, I was there for the fucking first premiere ever of Victor Crowley. And that's what's great about the rest of those fans that think it's in that. We had no idea that this was even happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, here's Victor Crowley for you. Yep. It, it was it was crazy, and as soon as you said that, like someone screamed, "What the fuck!" Like it was. Uh, <laughs> I found the I found the video the video uh, video on YouTube of like him him introducing the movie, and it, like everyone just going fucking ballistic because it was like, "Oh my god, this whole movie was done in secret." That that is fucking awesome. That that was smart on his part, I think. Nobody expected this. Everybody thought the trilogy was done, and there was no more hatchet. I do have some gripes with the movie, but I will say I was very fucking happy that they shot another one. Um, so this one came out when 2017. Uh, let's see who is uh, who else was in this one? It was Kane, it was Tyler Maine, uh, yeah. Felissa Rose, Chase Williamson, Perry Shen, he finds a way, uh, Tiffany Shepis, <laughs> uh, Dave Sheridan, 
and uh, Tony uh, Tony Todd. And, uh, and Q from Impractical Jokers. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was happy to see him just because I like that show. The the, the problem I had w- with this movie before we get into the good um, is that the budget for this movie was $7 million, But this movie oh. didn't look like it would cost like it looked like it, it looked like it cost the same as the first one. Yeah, I had no idea that was the big budget. It should have looked a lot better than the 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 plane was really cheap. That was done like super fucking cheap. And I I, I actually I actually it's coming to me now. I argue that that seven seven million number that's floating around the line is actually correct because I've I've heard from people in on the inside that it was not even close to that. So that number is actually a lie online that's being floated around it, the budget was not seven million there's there's no way i mean you would think he would have done something more with it if he had that kind of fucking budget especially for this secretive film that nobody even fucking knew about and it was just unleashed on the world because all that plane shit was done on a fucking sound stage when right, they were inside the plane it was yeah. like and it was probably one of the ones in fucking like north hollywood or calabasas that like i would i would see but like i thought that looked pretty good though when the planes crashed i thought that looked pretty solid no that looked good but i'm saying all the interior stuff when they're on the plane and then like the the captain fucking knobs and everything like that also it was funny adam green and joe lynch were the captains on the plane <laughs> of course um but no i just I, it's to me like the, all the plane shit looked really fucking cheap i i feel like yeah, yeah, it was a good touch to try to add that to have them land into the swamp and Honey Island, but I feel like that was more of a disservice to it more than it helped. So if you cut that, then I think if you just place it kind of like how the other ones were, just picking back up again. I mean, that's that's cool. But obviously, this one promotes fucking Perry Shen, his I Survivor book, his, as as Faye says, Perry Shen finds a way. Um, <laughs> And then he's uh he's supposed to get a milli milli to go do this fucking appearance, but uh little does he find out from his ex wife that it was actually twenty five k, and um, the taxes weren't taken out yet. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's my problem with, with this movie though is like the two different aspects of it because you have these uh what the documentarians that are there too that mm-hmm. are already there in the swamp, and then you have the plane crash. That that two shit did not blend in well, and then they didn't blend those characters at all either. It, it was almost kind of like two separate mini movies put in, into into one, like two separate Victor Crowley movies put into one, right? Where he kills the documentarians and then he kills the people on the plane, and then like even the lighting and shit was different. Like on the plane, you have that that red with the with the blue tint, and then with the documentary, it's it's your brown autumn camp feel, and it just seemed like two different movies that did not mix at all. And then we spent way too much time on the plane. I mean, especially if they had it. Okay, it wasn't seven million, but if they had a big enough budget to get outside of that fucking plane, let's do something outside of the plane. Literally, the whole ending took still took place in the plane. And then when the movie ended is when they finally get out of the plane because they shoved Victor Crowley in the in the jet engine. So I don't know, right. it, it, it didn't blend well as as a whole for the movie. But it, I still, it had, it had I, a weird vibe, right? Yeah, it had a very weird vibe. Very weird, like pacing, because it didn't blend well for me. But then again, I still had a good time with it. I mean, it is my least favorite of the four, but I still had fun. So, like I said, any movie that's even if the movie's bad, if it's still going to have these fun, creative, practical effect kills, I'm going to enjoy it. It's not hard to please me when it comes to gory slashers like that. But as the movie itself, yeah, like I said, it it it, it felt weird. The, the pacing, the blend didn't really go together all, all too great. 
Now, I will say Felissa Rose's death, though, was amazing. Ripped her arm off with a cell phone and shoved up her coochie and came out her mouth with the cell phone still in her hand. That is my favorite kill of that one. Yeah, oh, easily, easily. That's probably my second favorite kill out of the whole franchise. Fucking love that. Felissa Rose is a little annoying. Love her to death, but she was pretty annoying in that movie. I can't breathe. I need my pills. My pills. <laughs> That was too much. But I mean, yeah, the cast is cool. Like I said, you had Q and, and you had all these people. And then you had this Perry Shin because he finds a way. So I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think of, of Victor Crowley? I mean, you, you're one of the first people to see it. Yeah, I remember being there. I remember, but you know, like I, I'm always critical. <laughs> like even when I'm watching it, like for the first time, I'm there and I'm like, oh, I hate this plane shit. Oh, I hate the plane shit. I was like, it's taking, it's devaluing the movie. And, but then the second plane fucking crashing at Tiffany fucking drowning. I'm like, okay, now, now it's, it's working its way up again. Um, I love, yeah, for, for me, it was, it was pretty, it, it was okay. It was an all right movie. It so even with the surprise factor, like you had no idea you were about to watch this movie. It's you surprise it. The second you find out about it, the fucking opening scenes happening. And your excitement didn't overcome you sitting there and going, okay, well, this looks like shit. You didn't just sit there and enjoy the moment and like, man, this is cool. I'm one of the first. Well, you know, it was like a 50 50 because I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm here for this. This is like fucking history for like hatchet people. This is great. But then I'm like, oh, this talk show looks bad. Oh, this looks bad. Oh, this (laughs) this looks good. Oh, this looks bad. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, that's how that's how it was for me. But, you know, I was happy to be there, happy to experience it. Um, I own fucking Victor Crowley in VHS. I mean, it's my fucking, it's my jam jam. But I mean, it's, it's uh, they, my... did a, they did a VHS of it. Yeah, they did a VHS of it. Yeah. Whittier Entertainment. What's up, Alex? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, with Victor Crowley, I'm, I'm going to meet straight up in the middle and give it a five. I, uh, on this one, we do agree. I'm also a five. You're a five on this one. Yeah. I'm right in the middle. Just because, like, you know, I mean, even the movie itself kind of split for me. It was half good, half bad. Now, uh, <laughs> would you consider yourself a, a, a Hatchet Army member? Are you a big enough fan of this franchise to be a member of the Hatchet Army? I would say yes. I own all of them. I own all of the scripts, and I own a Victor Crowley mask. So I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's do something a little different. How about the the franchise as a whole, Hatchet? What do you rate it out of 10? Ooh, you bastard. Because <laughs> obviously you have mixed feelings with it. I do have mixed feelings. I'm trying to de- 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 decipher if I should be diplomatic or if I should just speak from the heart here. <laughs> you also have love for the franchise. You have love for Adam Green. But then you also have a lot of shit that you hate about th- some of these movies. So It's true, too. Yeah. I mean, for me, I give it a seven. Seven? Yeah. That's yeah, that's probably right around going between six, seven, six, six point five, seven. I'm I'm right around there for the whole. Now, do you think it, it deserves to be in the annals of time with all these other horror franchises, like all the the big names, like you know Elm Street, Hellraiser, Halloween, all them? Yes, yes, I do. But I don't think it belongs right at the top. I think it belongs right on the tail end of when they talk about franchises. But it belongs in that conversation when you talk about horror franchises. I would say so, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to put Crowley right next to fucking Freddy Krueger and Jason, but yeah. I mean, uh, once you go down the list, yeah, I'm, he's in there. Okay. But I think I think let's let's let like a decade pass, and then let's let's see how that how that survives. Yeah, it's kind of one of those. Let's see if it withstands the test of time, type of thing. 
Because last I saw that there's plans of doing a five and six filming back to back. This is true. I've heard that same report. So we'll at, see. At first, Daniel Harris said it, and then uh, Adam Green said, nope, no fucking way. And then uh, about a year later, Adam Green says, yeah, uh, we're going to do more. So I, then we're going to get more. We're, we just don't know when. I mean, obviously, everything's on a pause right now because of all this fucking global pandemic bullshit. But yeah, I mean, during the credits of Victor Crowley, yeah, they're the return of Daniel Harris. That's why I was like, well, technically, she's in three of these four movies because she's in that credit scene where she wobbles all over to her shotgun and is ready to go find Victor Crowley. <laughs> return of the Mac. Yep. <laughs> return of the Mac. <laughs> all right. Well, there's your there's your hatchet series. Uh, I, th- I think it's safe to say we both love it. We both uh, understand that it needs to be within the annals of, of of horror history, I would say. Well, that's a kind of wait and see, but it's also always deserves to be in the conversation. For me, this is the type of movies to where you got somebody that's new to horror. They just want to have a good time, have some beers with some buddies. Let's watch something that's just going to have us have a good time. I'm going to pick Hatchet because it's got those fucking over-the-top kills. You really don't have to pay attention to the story. The story, I mean, you just have to tune in randomly. You automatically know what's going on. And you just kind of wait for Victor Crowley and watch some crazy kills with your buddies. And that's what I love about it. I would agree. And also, I, I think it helps because if you show that movie to somebody who's new into it, they're, if you show them the first one, they're going to be like, oh, it's the guy from Avatar. <laughs> so... <laughs> So right. you, you, you're going to have that connection with the newer audience because the people in there, for the most part, yeah, you have new and old. Well, to go off of women. that, yeah. yeah, to go off of that, well, you have somebody from a cast from many of the movies to where somebody's going to know somebody from one of those movies, no matter if they're a horror fan or not, if they're off to other different genres, stuff like that. There's a recognizable face in these movies for anybody to tune in. So even if they're not a fan of somebody like, let's say they're a Gremlins fan. So you say, oh, Zach Ellington's in the third one. You're still going to get him intrigued in the first one because you're like, well, you got to watch all of them. And then when we get to the third one, you're going to see your boy. So, I mean, you introduce them to that. Yeah, it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun introductory to horror for non-horror fans, I would say, that aren't afraid of gore. <clears throat> so overall, I love Hatchet. Hatchet, Hatchet is great. Um, I recommend it always. Outsider approved. Fame Farmer says, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, do you want to tell everybody to fuck off? I want to say uh, tune in for our live episode May 29th for our first live recording that we're going to do bi-weekly. Yeah. So that, that's stay, you know, st- stay tuned. It's going to be fun. We're going to try to bring uh, a new, a new, a, a new fresh, a new, bre- you know, a new breath of fresh air around here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll say is the outsiders never die. Yeah, now we're down to two. The outsiders never gonna die though. Even if it ends up being, let's say, like my son and a mozzarella stick, the outsiders are still gonna fucking live. On. I say it's we're very tough. And with that, <laughs> fuck you, Daryl Hook. Fuck you, Faye. And uh, go fuck yourself.